Yo, yo, welcome everyone to Weird Growth. Uh, I'm Cam from Ammo Marketing, and this is a podcast where we dig into the strange and unexpected stories behind how businesses grow. Um, we have Chloe Constantinis on our podcast today, and I probably mispronounced her surname. <laughs> welcome, Chloe. Thank you so much. Hello. Thanks. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate you being here. Um, so, look, you've got a, a really interesting and detailed and lots of twists and turns story you've done on so many different things um how would you describe what you do like (laughs) what's your job title uh i think the easiest way to wrap it up is to say an innovation consultant yep uh and that crosses marketing technology design and those sorts of fields just all the things all the things just a jack of all (laughs) trades um and, you know, it, it must be really gratifying, really, you get to work on so many different projects and, and um, things. What are, the, what are some of the things that you're working on right now? Um, so some of the major things are working with Curtin Accelerate. So yep. that's their uh, kind of Accelerate program for staff, students and researchers. And we get to work with startups across numerous fields from um, bioplastics through to UAV battery tech through to um, sort of health platforms for young teenage girls and that kind of stuff. Amazing. So yeah. really broad startups you get to work with and yeah. we try and help them to commercialise their concepts. Um, on the university train, there's also UWA's IQ Academy and that's for uni students to basically get a feel for entrepreneurship and startups and how to go about generating ideas and coming up with ideas. So um, that's two big projects, I guess. Yeah, huge. Um, and then I've got a bunch of clients. Uh, one is a platform for freelancer work management, so helping them with their sort of customer interviews, their design validation process, um, growth hacking kind of ideas for future when they're ready to launch mm-hmm. um, and yeah other spaces in aviation and all sorts so Love it is it. a very diverse and fun you're an abundantly productive lady <laughs> not a busy try to be yeah but abundantly <laughs> productive so what would you say is the big problem that you solve for the clients and the organizations that you work for uh, I consider myself a bit of a gap filler. So it's usually that people have someone who handles, I don't know, social media, for example. They might have someone who can develop code, but it's sort of tying it all together. Yeah. Um, so it's looking at overarching strategy. It's like, what are you trying to do? Um, or people might have a concept and it's brilliant, but they've got no idea how to commercialize it and take it to the next level. So it's all about that coming in and saying, what are the problems? And they're usually extraordinarily varied. Yeah. Um, so what do you enjoy about doing that? What, why is that the path that you, you could do anything really? You're, like, you're a clever person. You could do any career really in the world. What, what is it about that? that- um, I think the diversity of it is really attractive to me. Like it's exciting to get to constantly be stimulated by what I'm working on mm. and no two days are ever the same. Um, it also lets you use and exercise different skills and, and develop them, I guess. Um, but also it's the reward of seeing something come to fruition or to be complete. I know you were talking about renovations in the office and that kind of stuff and yeah. seeing something tangible at right. the end. Yeah, I really like 
that. So being able to see a finished product or a successful launch or um, something that was hidden under wraps and in dark rooms that finally, you know, sees the light and yeah. has customers. I think yeah. that's and being really... part of that journey and being yeah. at the catalyst of it and seeing it actually yeah come out and, exactly and change the world is um, must be so gratifying. Yeah, I don't know that I've changed the world yet, well... but <laughs> one day hopefully. <laughs> So you've worked in technology and uh, things for a long time. Where did that? How did that start for you? Uh, so I started. I did a degree in advertising marketing, mm. and I was working at ad agencies. Um, worked at the UN on a climate change campaign in New York, um, and then came back to Perth and worked in a marketing uh, division for an R and D company. And we built electronics and um, like electronic devices. And that kind of spurred this interest. I had to sit with engineers who talked super nerdy talk. Yep. And I was like, you know, you have to learn. You're forced to learn. Yeah. Um, and at the time, we were building some software and some hardware. And I thought it would be really valuable to understand how to build software. Um, and it also stemmed from a frustration of starting my own companies and having to pay someone else to make my website. And this was pre-Wix, pre, you know, um, Squarespace, like all the DIY platforms, which I would have used. What were the companies you started? Uh, that one was a, an events company. Oh. Um, and it was, yeah, something I ended up paying a company in Sydney and it cost six grand to develop a website. And um, they didn't deliver the website in time. Unbelievable. And for, for events, events exactly. Right. So that really was probably the the pushing point where I was yeah. like, I need to learn how to do this myself. Yeah. Um, That's something that really grinds my gears is very early stage, you know, people who are out there having a punt and trying to, you know, do something different. Yeah. And then these agencies who come along and, you know, I don't want to say take advantage of them, but, yeah. you know, it's just not fair. It's not equitable. Yeah. What goes on with some of those things. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I mean, they had good intentions, but um, I ended up uh, writing a... <laughs> A pretend letter from a pretend lawyer and uh, got my money back. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> but, but that's yeah, the hustle right there. I but it. I mean, I didn't get my website, so you know, yes. I think it was fair that I got my money back. Um, but yeah, I put on my lawyer hat and pretended to. <laughs> so what do you think is the solution for founders who don't necessarily have the skills or the backgrounds? You know, founders are expected to do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, if they do need to build a website or run a digital campaign and they just don't have that skill set yet, what do you what do you recommend that they, they do? do? Yeah. I mean, learn as much as you can. So I do, you're absolutely right. I think founders are, um, by financial limitations and just pure resourcing, it's you have to step up and you have to wear multiple hats and play different roles. Yeah. So... I, I have found that the biggest asset when I've tried to start something is I want all the basic skills to be able to get something up and running without anyone's help. And um, it doesn't have to be polished and perfect. Right. But if you just want to communicate your idea or your concept or get some early stage customers on board, if you can do that without paying a cent to anyone else, I think that's yeah, spot on. really valuable. You know, there's this concept of the minimum viable product. Yes. From, from a software development point of view, there's definitely the same sort of thing for minimum viable marketing, right? Exactly. And you, you can see it around places like you'll see logos <laughs> that people <laughs> have kind of done themselves and yeah. they might look crappy, but 
get creative and experiment with it and see what yeah, happens. They're right for where the stage of that where that yeah. business is now. However, if you're really, really lacking and you're really terrible at something, um, I guess know when to reach out and know when to engage, you know, someone, whether that's a yep. friend or an agency or a you know There's a time and a place freelancer. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, later in your career, um, you were involved in, in Dapper Apps. Yes. Um, what was your role there? Uh, so we, I was one of the co-founders. Yep. So we were previously at an ASX listed company, um, shifted out of there. We wanted kind of different, different things. So we shifted out of there, got mm. an investor on board. Um, and then technically my title was COO, um, but being a startup yep. and being a small team, um, yeah, was the the legal person, the HR person, the you know the creative director. Um, Bit of everything. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, and you being from a marketing background, what sort of things did you see in that app development space that was that was really important to be involved in from a marketing point of view? Uh, as in, like, what attracted me to apps? Yeah, or? well, I mean, so the angle I'm taking here is a few years ago there was this sort of almost a bubble around mm -hmm. app dev and every man and his dog wanted to have an app. Yep. Um, and uh, something that also happened was people would go out and spend lots of money on building them and then launch them out to the market and nothing happened. Yeah, and with no marketing budget. <laughs> no, they spent it all on development. Yeah. Yep. What, so what are some of the things that you saw in in – in your role at Dapper um, or just even working with other, you know, people who are getting apps developed and founders in that way, what were mm -hmm. some of the things, things that, that, that went well and what were some of the things that didn't go so well? Um, I think you're right. Like every man and his dog has an idea. Even still, you'll say to people yeah. um, and, and they'll be like, oh, I've got this thing. Um, and I think what I learned about apps is that, so we call it apps because that's the most um, – common kind of terminology that people would a google yep or b like comprehend exactly what you're talking about but for us it was far more about integrated deep tech yep. and um so yes it might work with your mobile phone but we were less focused on consumer facing actually putting an app on the app store yes mm. versus um like internal business systems or operational tools that help you know, resources, companies to drill in the right direction, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it was that that was the common term for it. I think 100% don't build something without A, testing the idea, start small, um, that classic stuff that you hear about of test what you can. If you can build it in an Excel spreadsheet, do it. Um, if you can have some customer interviews first, do it um, and do it in iteration. So we had fortnightly sprints. Mm. Um, we would release the product, have them test, hopefully have them test with their customers as well. Um, and then all, all their team or their workplace, whatever it was, and then build and iterate from there. Definitely sounds like you guys were one of the, the good guy app dev houses as opposed to what you some try of the to stories be. you hear out um, there for sure. Yeah. You, yeah, you try to be. I think people's mindset still want people still want fixed budget, fixed time. They don't want to hear, "Oh, spend ten grand to work out if this is a bad idea." Mm. When in actual fact, you know, if if that's what you spent to find out if something shouldn't go ahead, that's a good. That's the best possible spend of money for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but 
I think that mindset still exists. It did five years ago, six years ago when I started in ads and it's still very much, people still struggle to get past that um, pay to experiment and pay to test ideas, which is critical. So um, I'm just, I'm just spoiled for choice for other things to talk about. (laughs) This is a thing. Um, Kasani. Yep. Um, it's a online, it's a product that you've created yourself. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Um, yeah. Tell us about Kasani. Um, so this was kind of personal experiments to, to learn and to, I guess, learn marketing techniques and tools that I hadn't really had so much of an opportunity to do through previous clients. Yep. So e- e-commerce, is that? Yep. yep. E-commerce, um, a lot of socially driven marketing. So it was really in the height-ish of Instagram influencers and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really wanted to understand how it all worked and these mm. kind of cult products that got cult followings. And, um, so you're saying you wanted to know how it worked by actually going out there and starting a business to figure it out. Yeah. Um, that's the that's the startup founder mentality <laughs> or whatever. You could have just read a bloody article, right? <laughs> I mean, you learn much faster. Um, I, I just, yeah, I think everything is a, it's a cheap uni degree right like um so it's can't beat it yeah i I looked at all the products sort of successful on social platforms and that was health fitness children pets yeah lifestyle weddings lifestyle that kind of stuff that's quite visual Mm. um and i prototyped a few things i was looking at children's um lunch boxes (laughs) (laughs) um i can't remember some of the other products i looked at but I ended up going down the beauty line um, cool. and I think it was after uh, buying a $70 single makeup brush for myself and I was like, that's, just, that's crazy. And naively, I didn't know. I'm not vegan or anything like that. I'm Greek, so I eat a lot of meat. But <laughs> sorry, it. vegans. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, it's, it's crap that people still use animal hair in brushes and it's really common. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much all big brands do. So I was like, there needs to be a high quality, reasonable offering um, that doesn't use animal hair and it didn't exist. So I uh, designed it, I prototyped it and then, um, yeah, eventually got it to to here and then set set up the shop and yeah. So it's still just ticking along more or less? Yeah, I I run funny little campaigns and test ideas and yeah. um see still what your little test bed for yeah trying exactly some stuff. That's better so cool. i play with my own than yeah else's. spot on uh, it's something that you, you know you do see a lot of advisors in this space um who haven't necessarily got their own business or skin in the game and their real world experience right? yeah yeah and and that space is constantly changing as you know so it's it's like if you don't stay on top of it and you're not practicing then you'll lose your yep. knowledge. Yeah, go keep so. your chops up. Exactly, yeah. Um, at the moment, you're working with Functionally as well, another Perth-based or founded startup, maybe not Perth-based anymore. Uh, so, Tim, the CEO Tim? is based in Perth, in Perth but it's right. a global team. So, yeah. they're, um, a lot of them are in LA and New York and um, Damien, the co-founders in London. Um, so, the time zones are all over the shop. Yeah. But um, What's the elevator pitch for Functionally? Uh, functionally helps CEOs scale without breaking. So yep. it's all about that wobble point when people grow to a point 
you know, over a couple hundred employees and the makeup of an organization really changes and things start to fall apart. Um, CEOs lose visibility of what's happening. Um, you know, they only th- see things when they're on fire and not when they're yeah. kind of about to be on fire. And there's this issue with um, the more as, as a team grows in numbers, the, the, the number of relationships increases exponentially too, right? Exactly. It becomes yeah. extremely complex very quickly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a SaaS product that helps people to balance that, measure that um, on an ongoing basis, and it it basically gets people working on the right things. It gets people on the same trajectory towards a shared vision. Um, it's a really powerful tool for for that. So what are you doing for them? Uh, I was doing like marketing growth, yep. so I I don't spend so much time with that anymore. Yep. Um, some fun stuff was for the SASTA conference um, in San Francisco, oh, uh, San Jose, not yeah. San Francisco. Um, so we had a big launch there in February last year. Um, that was a lot of fun and they've got that coming up again. So they'll be there and awesome. um, functionally kind of took over the entire conference. No way. <laughs> um, which I had a big part to play in, in that, which was really fun and exciting what so, happened there how did you take uh, over the entire conference so we're a new SAS- i'm guessing you didn't have the budget to actually take over the entire conference we did a pretty good job really <laughs> it, was, um, it was yeah it was quite fun but we um you know an aussie startup an aussie SaaS product um you know the, the founders are, are well respected and well known but we're still from australia and still small in the scheme of mm. um the types of people that attend that kind of conference so we wanted to make a splash and um, Tim and Damien and the rest of the crew are very uh, open-minded and good with experiments and good with saying like, yeah, let's, you know, let's give that a shot. Um, and that ranged from us making, uh, so your conference swag. Yep. Um, and most people go for your t-shirts and pens and mm. and that kind of stuff. Um, yep. We were like, this is the US, what do the US love? basketball um so we made custom bright pink basketballs with our logo on it no way um and handed those out um some of the team were also going through walmart and came across these llamas um and they were just like soft teddy llamas (laughs) (laughs) like stuffed llamas and uh thought it would be funny to turn that into like our team mascot so we put those in t-shirts we ended up I think we actually paid for a conference pass for the llama. <laughs> um, and that was Love then it. like this novelty thing that everyone yeah. at the conference was taking photos with it, sharing it on Twitter. Awesome. Um, well so I think, I don't quote me on this, but if you ask anyone that was at SASTA last year, um, I'm sure they will remember. They will remember functionally. functionally. Like How we, that? and that's your client base, really. Those people. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, we wanted to work with the top, you know, tech companies in the world, um, and that's where they all were. Uh, we had a whole bunch of other techniques for lead capture and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, what other things were you doing just to just to introduce people to the concept outside of? Um, that? We had tradition, as in outside of the conference. Yeah. Um, so we had, you know, in-depth sales calls and demos. Okay. Um, we had kind of clients working with us to develop the product. So, you know, early, early stage, um, customers that were using the product with the knowledge that, um, we're still working on it and it's still going to improve. Yeah. 
um, fantastic tech team that just have the right approach to really listening to feedback, actively seeking feedback. Um, we'd have frequent design sprints, um, yeah, frequent product testing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, all of these things really are integral to the to the growth of the business as well. It's not just yeah. product and marketing. It's nah. integrated. Nah. Yeah. And I, th I think that's something that I'm sure you see all the time as well now. It's like there's a very blurred line between what's product, what's marketing, what's um, CX or like it, it's all kind of intertwined. Yep. And you can't have one without the other. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, another Perth-based um, startup that you've been involved in is Rated. Mm -hmm. um, what can you tell us about that? Um, so Rated is a CX SaaS product. Uh, well, is it SaaS? I don't know what you call it. So basically, it's you would have seen some of those examples. Smiley face apps are like on, on a tablet in on a, tablets in a retail space. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so they've got a lot of customers in uh, Singapore predominantly. Right. Um, so they've got Gardens by the Bay in Singapore. They've got, um, I'm not sure of the current list, but everything from Adidas to Calvin Klein to... Big, yeah, um, big boy brands. Yeah, yeah and local um, companies like Pigeonhole and other stuff, other ones like that. So, yep. yeah. And so what does their customer journey look like? How, how do people first find out about them and then what's the sort of steps that you take towards getting bringing them on as a customer? Yeah, so most of their customers were retailers because uh -huh. um, it's an obvious fit for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so often it was seeing it in another store or um, mm. there was a lot of outreach. So we did a lot of um, sales outreach and that kind of stuff, which can like be- just cold calls or walking into uh, a shop or- Email campaigns and that ah, kind of stuff. Okay, yep. Um, but once you've got a solid, you know, brand list and customer base behind you, that obviously becomes a lot easier to convert. Yep. Um, yep. Obviously so it just kind of snowballs over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of it was word of mouth um, yep. or, you know- just seeing it in situ. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, or people identifying that CX was one of the pillars of growth or one of the areas that they need as a as an exec team and, and yep. they're like, how do we get- insights into what's going on 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 the ground yep um we had some great examples with um pandora the the jewelry store right um they had an issue that they couldn't understand why this particular shop was not selling uh, or, or not you know making the sort of numbers yeah, that they right. would one particular shop out of yes. all the others right um and it turned out from one little comment on one of these things was that someone said it says that they have this stock, but there's there's never any stock there. Basically, there was an error in their um, in their stock system that no suggested way. they had all these items there, yep. but in reality, they weren't actually right in front of them. So customers would go in and consistently be disappointed that yep. um, they'd go in and it, the stuff wasn't there. So um, little things like that, yep. when you're talking growth, can just be. Just ramming home the importance of getting that feedback loop and asking customers yeah. directly, what, you know, what do you think? Yeah. And how else do you get that kind of feedback? Like, well. Because most people just walk out and yeah. they're not going to stop and tell the, the, you know, the person in the no. store. People hate confrontation and face-to-face -face interaction with other humans as yeah. a whole. You're right. Yeah. Amazing. We had um, some interesting case studies from that. We did interviews with our retail customers and 
Um, there was talk about uh, like, because a lot of the customers were in Asia, there was a lot of talk about the cultural differences that um, in Asia it's, it's far less uh, acceptable or um, common for people to give honest feedback. So they're far more likely to rate something higher and to say, oh, yes, it was good, you know, less confrontational. Mm. Um, whereas you go somewhere like the US and they're very happy to give opinions and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's that thinking about where you're based and how to structure feedback and how to structure questions in order to get honesty Super interesting. as well. It's a massive problem that polling companies have now as well where, um, you know, all the polls leading up to an election are saying one thing and then the completely opposite thing yep. happens. Yeah. Just asking people directly what they're going to do is different to their behavior like people say and do two different things these days yeah um and you know actually watching behavior and things are going to become more and more important i think Mm -hmm. and then you have to design as the people behind that you have to then design those questions and those things accordingly so yeah yeah one big piece of advice that you would give to any new first-time founders looking to grow god um just experiment is yeah as low cost as possible but the more you know the more things you throw out there the more likely something's going to stick um and record 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 like take down every piece of data you can um and then it's always there for you to pull back on this whole thing's a learning journey yeah if if you knew exactly what to do we'd all be billionaires yeah because you just do those tasks and it will be done and you build a business which everyone wants but everything about this is about learning right yeah exactly and if you i'm not big on that like fail fast and that kind of stuff but experiment with the knowledge that some things will work and some things won't and you learn each time so yeah that's awesome show and tell time (laughs) (laughs) which we always do here at um at uh, weird growth um What's do you have a favorite tool or gadget or device or anything that you're using right now that that you would recommend that other people try out? Uh, it's like not growth related. Yeah, that's good <laughs> at all. Um, but just as a fun kind of new year thing, I've started. I've registered for a music production course. Whoa. Um, and it's called Ableton Live. I think is the free version. Um, and it's just a bit of a release from everything else, to be honest. It's just something fun to do. And, um, yeah, you can digitally produce anything or you can record real instruments, that kind of stuff. And sounds like fun. Yeah, I don't know that that's kind no, of that sounds what you're after. What's it called again? I think it's Ableton. Ableton. Um, yeah, right. I think there's a light. It's called Live. There's a free um lighter version of it we'll chuck so. a link in the uh in the podcast description yeah. that sounds sick bit yeah. of fun to Beautiful. play around with what's the future hold for you <gasps> what, what's, what are you plan for 2020 for 2020 okay i was thinking like <laughs> well, <laughs> way 2030 if you like <laughs> um for 2020 i want to kind of i've sort of been consulting and not really giving it a name and yep. i think i've had a chat with you about this about yeah i need to wrap it up into you know call it something yep. um there's a working title for that but i'll hopefully release that soon um chloe's kaleidoscope of services <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> i was trying to think of a word to sum up like what like your career and yeah like, some people say like it's a gig career or like a yep. you know um a bits portfolio career, career. yeah um yeah you might have a kaleidoscope career that's so good, many good like it. Going on. <laughs> <laughs> sticking with the season the case yeah. um 
Yeah, so that's the big thing. I've got a few kind of products of my own that I want to develop out and try, see what happens. Way, way down the track, I would love to be eventually the person that can, I would hope to be in the financial position where I can find people that I think are just incredible and that I can invest in them. Um, And that would be my ultimate kind of end goal to to get to. Angel investing. Yeah. Awesome. Chloe, thanks so much for your time uh, here on Weird Growth today. Really appreciate um, you coming in here and sharing some of your wisdom. There's so many more things that we can talk about. I'd love to have you on again because, um, you know, there's just uh, a myriad of topics that we could get into. Um, But for now, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, that's all for Weird Growth. Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.